0: Hi, this is Andy Taylor, and you're listening to Stuck in the 80s. Oh, that's
1: great. That's okay, perfect. i Yeah.
0: that voice. Yeah, the, uh, I can... uh, yeah, talk over parts <laughs> when I'm 55. Yeah. <laughs> <You have to laughs> is do that it. all you could get for me, my agent?
1: <laughs> Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice.
2: Carpe diem.
1: Seize the day.
2: The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer
3: and the technology.
2: Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean?
1: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s.
2: Can you say stuck in the
4: 80s?
1: it's Stuck in the 80s time. Hey, it's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. With me, my good friend, Sean Daly.
3: All right, so Ernest, I so love excited. it. So excited. So happy. I love it. I, lo- I love it that I'm here. I love it that you're here. This is a great show.
1: Yeah, today we actually talked to a former Duran Duran guitarist and founding member, Andy Taylor. But for how long is he former? He'll be back. He'll be back. He will be back. They all come back.
3: And in the amazing interview you're about to hear... In which I partook as well, didn't I? You did. A rare appearance. I finally showed up because I felt this one needed some uh, critical cred, my friend.
1: Well, plus you had experience interviewing him before, yeah, right? Yeah,
3: and we chatted about that too. We reminisced. Yeah. How you been since then, Andy old chap?
1: Yeah, so Andy Taylor became available to us. He wrote a new book called uh, Wild Boys, My Life in Duran Duran, which was just released uh, mid-September. I read it in one weekend. Yeah,
3: you did. You had nothing better to do.
1: That's exactly true. It was just.
3: Hey Spearsie, woo! I'm partying. What are you doing? Um,
1: Yeah, that's. uh, Come on, come out with me. No, I'm dedicated to the podcast. (laughs) It's a great book, and it starts with. uh, It's basic. It's ninety percent about Duran Duran. Yeah. He does start the book talking about his child. Actually, the book starts with Live Aid, which is unusual. But Live Aid is, of course, when he left the band the first time. Uh, 1985, Philadelphia. Uh, I remember watching it on TV, and I remember watching Duran Duran come on stage, and I remember thinking they they're not playing so damn good today. And he talks about that in the book about why they weren't playing good. They they basically had been apart for a, a year at that point. Um, so they effing hated each other. Yeah, they pretty much were all whacked whacked out on drugs. A lot of the book uh, concerns his drug use. He's very honest about it. Cokie
3: McCokeman.
1: I wouldn't say he's apologetic about it. No. He just says it was there, we did it, here's the effect it had on me. He talks about John, John Taylor obviously had his struggles, the two of them with cocaine was just outrageous.
3: See, this is what I like about guys like Andy Taylor, and uh, believe it or not, when I interviewed Ice Cube from NWA, I don't like it when people apologize for their past. Let it be. The past is the past. They don't really apologize for it. You know, they don't uh, feel necessarily bad for the things they did. They just kind of move on, you know? They're introspective and yet not apologetic. Like, for all the times I've slapped you in the face, I'm not going to apologize for it. Because that was just who I I was at the time. It really hurt, though. I'd like to apologize for the time I smacked you in the ass, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Yeah,
3: really, right in the publics. Yeah. No,
1: in the, no in the bakery section. No one
3: gets the publics joke. No,
1: no. Anyway. So we talked to him. He will talk a lot, of, in in. and I would say he talks in Shadows a little bit about his feelings about his breakup with the band. That's and awesome. Talks in shadows. Well, he doesn't come out and say God certain things. Damn it, things. you're a good host. No, I'm not. Yeah, you really are. I really am not. I'm but just... he
3: does. He kind of, uh, I'd like to say he bookends.
1: <laughs> or bookshelves. <laughs> As you would say, bookshelves. He really shimshams us a little bit.
3: <laughs> he bookends his answers. And he, he eventually gets around to the answer. Yeah. But uh, if you know a bit of the history of Duran Duran... You know, even though he doesn't deal in specifics at first, it's still inherently interesting to hear him talk about his mates, who he obviously still has love for. Yeah, and there's—I mean, we're getting him at a pretty volatile time, too. Right. I mean, you—you you hear confliction in his voice. You know. And yeah I, I,
1: he he knows he has to answer some tough questions from the. Press about what he's written, because he's written some pretty. It, they, it, it's not nasty, as he says. Everything he's said or written is pretty much public record already.
3: He could not run from two dogged Edward R. Murrows
1: uh, no. such as us, or or two suckasses like us. <laughs> Andy, you're a hell of a guitar player.
3: Oh, shut up! <laughs> He is. He is a good guitarist. And I was using that uh, part of the interview, as you're about to hear, to get into the Power Station stuff. Because my point uh, was that you didn't really know he was a great guitarist until he went uh, with the Power Station. He left Duran Duran. Was that the first time he left them? Uh,
1: During a break, when Duran Duran finished, I think, their Seven and the Ragged Tiger tour, they uh, John Taylor and Andy Taylor went off to form Power Station. With uh, you know Robert Palmer and uh, uh, Tony Thompson from Chic, and uh, were you much of a Power Station fan? I liked him. I-, I didn't like him.
3: It was very like horny and like below the belt. Yeah. Even though Duran Duran wasn't exactly chaste, but uh, Power Station was very like bang a gong, get it on. I mean, yeah. What were they trying to say there?
1: I don't know. It's a cover remake? song. What do I yeah, care? Yeah, it was a remake. But, but uh, I loved some like why it, it hot. Like it? Uh, you know, I was never a fan of Robert Palmer, and I feel bad saying that. I mean, the poor guy's dead. But, the, uh, I mean, in fact, so is Tony Thompson. They both died in late 2003. But, I mean, some of the weird things about Power Station, yeah, they were together. Yeah, it really did show off John and Andy a lot better. I mean, Robert Palmer never toured with them. He only made, I think, one appearance live with them. That was on Saturday Night Live, and that was it.
3: Was it Michael DeBar? Did he uh, tour with them?
1: Yeah, he's only yeah. toured with them. And they, I think they put out, what, three albums maybe, two albums at tops. And, um, nah, I don't like him. I mean, I don't th- like, you know, you've, you've blogged about this a bit and some people are
3: a bit harsh on Andy Taylor. He was actually my entry character, my own personal entry character in a Duran Duran. He was my guy. I latched onto him.
1: You know, I think I relate more to him because he's sort of the outsider. Exactly, he, yeah. the
3: outsider, the the outcast. Right. I mean, which one of these guys doesn't belong? You always kind of go back to Andy.
1: Andy Taylor didn't belong so much, and and you read that in the book a lot. He was from, I think, Northern England. The um, the band was formed in Birmingham. Most of the the fellows were in Birmingham. Uh, you know, the, I don't think Simon was, but but and Simon and, and uh, Andy would become friends. They become roommates, and there's a lot of talk about that. It's an interesting book. Definitely pick it up. Uh, Andy's going to tell us some great stories during this yeah. interview. He's going to talk about uh, a story I don't think a lot of people have heard about.
3: The Princess Di story? The
1: Princess Diana story. Yeah. And I don't want to give too much away about that.
3: But, I mean, Andy's really cool. We love him. And, uh, I mean, I guarantee he's the only member of Duran Duran who was influenced by Angus Young. Yeah. And that just tells you where Andy's coming from.
1: Yeah. Angus Young, David Bowie, Roxy Music, Brian Ferry, the whole nine yards... You're going to hear a nice, nice interview with Andy Taylor. We'll be back on the flip side. We've got some surprises for you—awesome
3: surprises.
1: So, in the meantime, I give you Andy Taylor.
3: Andy, this is Sean Daly. I'm the music critic here at the St. Pete Times. How are you? Hi, Sean. Good, good, thank you. I met you about four years ago at the very top of the Sony building in New York City, I believe. I was with the Washington Post then, uh, and you guys had
0: just released Astronaut? Oh, right, yeah, when uh, the... uh the top of the old ivory tower.
3: Yeah, there you go. And uh it, it was great. I mean, the, the, the what I remember and I always tell people is that uh you got, I was about to have a, a baby girl, my first child, and you guys gave me parenting tips. <laughs> oh, right, Yeah. So that yeah, so she's but you're doing great. She's she's a great kid. So it's really working out. Cool. Oh, good. Well, thanks for talking to us today. Uh we're uh you know, we're we're really excited to talk to you. We uh, we do the show uh, Stuck in the 80s and we'll also write about this for the the Saint Pete Times. Yeah. But uh, are you getting a lot of reaction to the book?
0: <laughs> well, it's just came out a bit, uh, publicly. Um so I was in the UK um last week and uh, had some interesting interviews and um, and comments and and just actually pretty positive because I think, you know, whereas people may have or probably had predicted something vindictive um you know, that wasn't what I was trying to do. I was sort of trying to tell the story of what happened and how it happened from my perspective. The highs and the lows, you know. It's like bands are like families, you know, birth, deaths, and marriages.
3: Have you heard from the boys? Um, no. Really? Does that surprise you?
0: Not really, no, because, you know, we're having a divorce at the moment, so... Right.
1: Now, did you need their, did you need their cooperation or their permission at all to write this book?
0: No, I, I, um, uh, and strangely enough, um, there are even laws that allow you to, you know, write your own account of things without having to seek the permission of other people, providing, of course, that you are, uh, you know, accurate and um, factually accurate. I mean, everyone will have their own take. on what they did, but in terms of, uh, you know, not just chronologically, but actually some of the events, and and I I looked, did huge amounts of research in the media, just to see what was out there, because I I thought, well, uh, let let me see if there's anything missing, and and God bless the media, particularly the the British media in the 80s, everything it had already been reported, small stories, things, you know, but, I mean, you only get the center of a story. And sometimes what I've done is, in telling the tale, a lot of it is it came from media reports, which then you actually join the dots and what led up to something and the consequences of what happened. But the public only ever get the... Uh, the headline of the, the showbiz gossipy bit you know the salacious bit you see someone walking down the street drunk, but why did they get drunk that night
3: Andy, when you go back into all these memories i mean when you are you 're reporting this book out, but you also have to kind of go back and go back in time i mean were the the memories of were they warm, most of them warm, or did like some uh, some feelings of anger come up when the uh, you know drumming up some of these old memories
0: for sure you um you know, as as well as having a you know quite a laugh recounting everything, um, that, you know, there's a few sleepless nights where your stuff comes back and it really does haunt you again, and you'd buried it. Um, and that, but the other day, my wife said, "She said, I haven't heard you. Uh, you were laughing in your sleep last night." <laughs> and I said, "You know, and I think, I'd, you know, and I thought, got well, yeah, but but, uh, you know, it, yeah, of course it." It brings back, uh, because, you know, you're an older guy now, and and when you recount what you did, one of the things you you look at is what was your judgment at the time and why did you make decisions? And now you qualify those decisions very, you, you know, the judgments that you made when you were younger, you'd qualify it very differently. So you've got this kind of tussle between the young man that you were without too much responsibility apart from the hotel bill and the girlfriend, <laughs> and then the older guy with a family, and, uh, you know, you you you, you know, you look at things in a different way. So you don't want to write from, you know, the middle-aged man's point of view. Uh, you, you try to write from that naive, younger perspective, and that, you know, that, that's a little bit of a journey back into some things that are... <laughs> <laughs> had been buried a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. My
4: way. I find my way. My way.
1: Dur- during the book, you, you tell the story of meeting a lot of uh, important people during your career, you know, Andy Warhol, Paul McCartney, among them. But your story about meeting Princess Diana and performing for her and Prince Charles and the circumstances surrounding that performance that that was a real shocker i think to me and a lot of uh, hardcore uh, american fans i was wondering if you could retell part of that for us
0: in the 70s and 80s um, we ha- we had the equivalent to what america has now with with the uh, the british government and the uh, and the irish catholic community who were um, represented by the ira and that was the military terrorist wing that wanted to basically um, set island free from, from, uh, from the British and, and the English Parliament. That, and uh, there was me- masses and masses of bombings in the UK and Ireland. Uh, thousands of people, uh, a, a, a similar figure, about 3,000 people were killed in the Troubles. It was terrible. It, it, uh, a thing to grow up with because it happened so regularly. And the biggest target to the IRA was... Um, the British royal family, because they represented everything that the Irish republicans were were against. So um, that, uh, in 1983, when we were, uh, you know, had the honour of uh, being asked to play for um, His Royal Highness and Princess Diana. Um, you know, it's one of the few things that we were making an album, and we were like, you know, you never usually interrupt that process, but for that one show, it was like absolutely. And we'd been told, and and it was kind of known in the media that you know we were her um, we were her poster band. So the the gig on the day when we got there, um, we flew in from the Caribbean, big press call, all the kind of bling and circumstance. And and I remember when we got to the gig, you know, our head of security said that very, 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 very tight. You can't take anything in the building, nothing combustible. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, nothing you can smoke. That you shouldn't be. And um, and, and really, and it was. And I've never seen anything, you know, quite so uh, the, the amount of security around this theatre. Anyway, the the whole evening was you know tremendously successful for us even though we played crap and uh, and that was that so years later i picked up uh, i think it was the sunday times um uh, and read a report about a foiled assassination attempt on the on the prince and princess of wales at the dominion theater in 1983 and i was like wow (laughs) that was the gig i did you were there I was, anyway, when we, uh, the the whole story came out in the media eventually, um, the guy who was the bomber was a, a, a double, this is total James Bond stuff, but this is absolutely, totally correct. He he um, was a double agent for the British government. He since wrote a book about the whole thing. And so when I, when I was discussing it with uh, with Gary, who helped me write the book and who's a journalist and has helped me manage the, you know, Done the um, you know the big boy <laughs> the responsible work. Um, I said, look, have a look at this. And Gary's a Gary's a journalist for a very very big newspaper here. So he, you know in terms of getting political fact right, and he went and checked it out, and he said, and he came back with even more. And I read it, I went, my God, you know, uh, and it was all true. And the, the 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 circumstances of. Um, uh, trying to uh, blow up the building with 50 pounds of military material while we were on stage, apparently.
4: <laughs>
0: and uh, it, it was it was foiled. So it, it, it just, it was, you know, how often you, anybody would be kind of unwittingly put in circumstances. And I just thought as well, in the world we live in today, um, it just kind of to remind, it's always been... There's always been very, very evil people on your doorstep. And, you know, it, it's not just a new thing. And I thought, you know, I actually thought people might also have understood. And we got a resolution to it now. Tony Blair, to his credit, and with a massive amount of help from Bill Clinton, resolved the situation in Northern Ireland. And, you know, so, so there was, uh, uh, and, and there is a way to end up, Stopping this stuff, which I think you know, at the moment, everybody has to live under the unpleasant vibration of um... of, of what's happening with the uh, with extreme Islamic stuff, and you know, we and I grew up with extreme Irish stuff, and it was you know, it was very very much the same.
1: I, I've always noticed that you know, I mean, Duran Duran coming up in the late, well, I mean, you. you you started your music career in the 70s and the band formed in uh, the early 80s. You never, you never really grabbed any political... There was never a political message, it seemed like, to the music. Was that intentional to avoid that?
0: Because we were very young. I was 19 when... I think Nick was 17 when we signed our first contract. Nin, I was 19 when we signed to EMI. <laughs> so there's very little that anyone <laughs> in the structure of the music business wants to... Um, take that seriously, and I think we had probably grown up more in the fantasy world of Bowie and the Beatles, um, and uh, I don't think any of us were uh, really had any particular political, none of us came, you know, we we're, were all basically working middle class kids, but none of us had suffered and made us have a strong opinion about social issues. There were no, you know, England in the 70s, a very, very different place to what it is now. And pretty, you know, I mean, there wasn't any starving kids. You know, people looked after each other in a different way. There wasn't the same kind of social inner city deprivation. So we had a fairly kind of, the 70s was quite a happy childhood for, and we're all about the same age. So we came from a sort of fantastical, I wanted to escape from the town I grew up in most, you know, that's that's everyone's thing. But... Um you know the lyrics of Bowie uh, and m- more of the poetry of it, and the pop art culture and the glam rock thing and punk um, uh, and that 's when when Simon came along and he had lyrics that sort of meant something but but they were different and and very like uh, uh, when i don 't know what lyrics mean <laughs> it it really intrigues me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and, st- you know, as I said in the book, I still don't know what some of his lyrics about. <laughs> we were going exactly, we, we to uh, ask You know, Sometimes he just won't tell you.
3: We were going to ask you, uh, I know it's cliche, but we, we still aren't sure what the reflex is. Even though we love the song, we're still not sure what the reflex means. Yeah,
0: and, and, I mean, the music comes first, so then he can interpret whatever he wants the music to mean lyrically. There's very, very few times the lyric would come first. So, if the lyric came first, you'd have to know what it was about. But because he would get lots of kind of, you know, beds of roses of music, then he could just make him into his interpretation of what the subject was. Uh, um, you know, so the tempo might make him think one way. You know, the darker side might make him think the other way. But um, yeah, I think probably half the songs ain't got a clue what they're about.
3: Andy, you're a hell of a guitar player, but was it hard being a great guitar player in Duran Duran?
0: It was hard to find a place to put some of the things that you would traditionally need to hear from a, a, a guitar player. So even if you had the chops, where do you put them?
3: Right. I mean, it almost seemed like you had to go to power station for people to realize, holy shit, this guy can play.
0: It It did. <laughs> and also with getting with other musicians, that... And then that you, you know, you weren't just getting a bit of a spotlight in Duran, but you were redefining yourself within a new music concept.
3: Did you ever feel like you were kind of like, it would be you versus Nick as far as the sound, how that would drive a song, like more guitar, more synth?
0: Well, that, that is, you know, that's definitely the, the atom smashing collision that made it work because... John and rog, if you when you listen to it, it's quite traditionally funky. A lot of what they do.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, the different bits was, and also it was how, ha- at a time when everyone was trying to get rid of the guitar, I was trying to keep it, make make it survive in pop music. You know, with little riffs like "Hungry Like the Wolf" and sure. "The Reflex," because you couldn't just play standard Angus riffs in pop music <laughs> then. Right. And it was trying to find other ways to make it survive and make it interesting and different and work in with this avalanche of keyboard technology and new programming and, you know... I mean, and there they were. They had fucking 60 synthesizers and you've still got six strings.
1: Now, does part of that, I mean, part of the whole synthesizer versus guitar thing, how does that play into the fact that, I mean, I think a lot of people when they read the book are surprised to learn that you and Nick, you know, pretty much didn't get along from, you know, almost nearly the beginning and it seems like it comes up that that the the rift between you two keeps coming up over and over again i mean it had to be aggravated by the fact that you two basically are on different ends of the music spectrum
0: i suppose you know it's the it's the, it's the 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 very the yin and the yang extreme ends of the yin and the yang that made the band what it was because if everyone goes in the same direction you get mush and mediocrity and you know I would try and restrain him from being less tonal and 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 more abstract, and he would try and restrain me from being more angus, right? Uh, and um, and that's you know the most important thing about creativity is tension, not it's you know committee is a horrible thing, but it, that that tension's constructive when you take the criticism, even if you argue with it, but you go, oh, yeah, fuck, I thought about it. You know what? <laughs> Bastard, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, but it's when you stop seeing the right in someone, it just becomes an argument.
3: You know, Andy, I mean, obviously, you know, you're a famous, you know, in and out of the band, and you're the enigmatic performer in the band. I mean, does writing the book almost seal the deal as far as you never going back with the band? Like, is writing the book, does it seal up your career with Duran Duran?
0: It's, you know, it's the one question you know you're going to get asked, and you think, okay, well, let me let me write these answers down. Is it this? Is it this? Is it, but you just don't know, because it's the one key component for me, technology. And technology has always been, you know, driven. Well, uh, Duran, from the... the the, 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 the early kind of digital keyboard technology, digital recording, you know, when uh, we, we had a great time when, uh, it, you know, it changed the sound of a band having technology right up to now. Now, you just don't know. I mean, if a hundred million Chinese people start downloading the original Duran Duran, I imagine, you know, Chairman Mao might be on the phone. <laughs>
1: With Duran Duran, more than any other band I can think of over the last thirty years, there is sort of like this unbelievable and enduring appeal that just doesn't fade. It's it's Beatlesque in a way, and uh, your fans, I mean, continue to grow up with, with the with the band and with the, and the Power Station fans and the whole nine yards. They know every intimate detail about you. I mean, what kind of candy you like? What kind of flowers you enjoy? I mean, my girlfriend's thirty five years old and she's still crazy in love with John Taylor. And you got to wonder. I mean, have you ever stopped and really wondered how it got this crazy?
0: EMI because and EMI records they were the you know they really were the, the 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 masters of um of that you know pop pop marketing uh because the Beatles they learned you know they learned how to do it best and and the Queen the the Sex Pistols you know I mean it's it, incredible list of acts and and um that's one of the reasons that we we wanted to sign to EMI because they were a creative British label with a lot of clout and a ton of money, and they had a massively strong satellite in America, capital Records, and uh, and that relationship allowed you to, you know, cross the water, and you know, Glastonbury this year. Uh, it's just it's kind of my example of this, I think. You know, in Jay-Z, and they said Jay-Z, he couldn't sell out Glastonbury. Well, Glastonbury's never not about Jay-Z headlining. It's usually about the best of British, the next big British thing. And the reason that they had to get Jay-Z was because there isn't any new next big British thing in terms of a rock and roll band or a great pop band, because the British music business has stopped. You know, it's it's had no credit for five years, let alone credibility. It's got no money, so it doesn't invest in Oasis. So Coldplay, you know, that's ten. This is all ten years old now. Oasis are still probably, you know, kicking it. But
3: it's funny. Well, Oasis has a new album coming out, and the way they're hyping it is almost like I mean, what the world needs now is Oasis. It's funny you're saying that because on this side of the pond, the, it seems like the, 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 the American you know uh, pop music scene is dead, and we think that you guys got it going on over there.
0: Yeah, but it just uh, no, wait, not screwed. too much gets over there. Now you know it's very and, and bands new. Then you know they're new big bands that have got those. You know those big choruses for radio. Well, it doesn't matter what day and age you're living in. You know, radio music being broadcast to people on whatever format it is. It, 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 what do you you know? Where are those British bands that just hurts? and and the chorus? And that was always you know a big Duran thing from from Beatles kind of culture, the chorus. Uh, And it's that investment in a band and making, you know, that that commitment, particularly so you can do get tour support. But of course, because British labels don't have the sales, there's very, very few artists with those sales, then, you know, there's no money at the bottom end for British artists. So we had the benefit of the structure of an industry that really, in from the UK, it, there's not the muscle, and the cash, and, and the amount of people to you know that to benefit a young career that just uh, and um, video goes along. It's like you know when when you think of Marlon Brando, you always you think of the young one, and you it, and and that power of video that keeps you young because there you are. Uh, 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 you never age on on the screen, and I think that's been massively important for Duran because, again, you know we we had the budgets to make videos. Who has budgets to make great videos now?
1: Well, there's no place to show them now.
0: Yeah, so you either got the airplay or you ain't going to get it. And our niche of airplay with video and and, and radio. That's you know that's it always astounds me. But it was built on you know built on it's like the car industry you know when when they had a lot of money they used to sell a lot of cars. The same with the record industry and you know they could do more advertising. Uh, And we got the benefit of 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 the music business at its most wealthy. Yeah. Uh, And uh, uh, you know it 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 gave us so much promotion and uh, you know say I still astounds me how much airplay I see on. You know the AirPlay, ASCAP, PRS, and and the things that you get as a rider. It's you know it's something that you never expected when you were a twenty-year-old kid knocking songs together.
1: I know at the end of the book you, you make the point of saying that you wouldn't change a thing about how things played out with the band, but but I got I gotta wonder. I mean, if you could fix one thing, if you could if you could write one mistake, you know what would it be? Um, would it be the drugs? I mean,
0: I'd make the I'd make the managers sign up. Uh, I'd make them take an IQ test, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they'd, they'd, they'd have to be would have to be an honesty button. Uh, at any point, if they were lying to us, you could press, and it was legal to blow them up. Because it, I think the thing that has always plagued our band is is management, and the, and the, and the association of of types of man, not just one specific man, because there's several types of management being very divisive, and with five of you. Um, uh, uh, and uh, you know, I've all, uh, that's always disappointed me. People who you allow, you know, to get close to the functions, being disingenuous when they let when you let them in.
1: You're, you're, you say you're getting divorced from the band, and if there's anyone who knows anything about divorce, it's me. But I but I gotta wonder what's you know what's next. What will you what, you know will you try to will you move on with a solo career at this point?
0: I've looked at you know, and I've got a fairly finished kind of thing but but i mean you know so it's, it's, you put another band together and it's 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 an easy to, it, it, you know thing to do but but what do you do with it um and then half so i've sat on it for a couple of years really i mean a lot of the material that i've got that i've been uh, um finished up now is stuff that i would have probably ended up trying to use with Duran but it's a little heavier and um but still all about choruses but lyrically i've, I've had some fun <laughs> and um I, but you know to to go through the whole process again the the record deal and like going through you know what is a much you know narrower uh, sort of gate of opportunity with a record business um is something i'm sort of because you you know what if, you, you know you you do have to say to yourself from time to time well uh, you know how much is enough, but is there? What else is there left for you to do? But then, on the other side, you not you just can't turn off. You know, your instinct for wanting to keep making new music. It's, so some, I've got something, but I, I don't. I'm not necessarily concerned about being a, a Sony artist, so yeah. to speak.
1: Now, if 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 uh, John and Simon and Nick call you up tomorrow and say, "Look, you know, you were right, we were wrong, you know, we want the old Duran Duran," well, back.
0: If only if we could do, go and do that on Oprah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean, and they say, "You know, you pick the manager, you you bring your music. We want, we want, um, we will, You, you be open to it."
0: <laughs> um, God, it's. <laughs> The trouble is, you know that you just never get an a la carte opportunity to do the, to put things right like that. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's because I, I guess as well you've you've went past trying to make those points with people, and they didn't want to hear.
1: It's just that I never got a chance to see you all live with the original lineup, and I would just like one more shot.
3: I did; it was awesome.
1: I know, and I'm regretting it. You suck. And uh, if I could, if I could just get that one well, more time. Well, and just for
0: you, if they call. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I said, you know, it's, you never say never. But but as it is now, you know, making an album, doing the things the way that they've been done, it's you know, the creative relationship, uh, you know, hit uh, hit a difficult patch, and uh, and you know, and of in things. Being, having to be done in a way that um, was still not, still didn't work. And that, you know, the core of it was our creative relationship. We, we we didn't meet as friends. We met as fellow ambitious, young wannabes. And so, you know, that's what got us together when we could, when we've, we, we, we the personality test. If we, if we had, if we'd have done it on a personality test, we probably wouldn't have been able to get together. We did it on a creative basis and we, you know, within a very short space of time of getting together had written the basis of what the first album is and you know that's the bit that's difficult to get to now playing live is great I love playing live I haven't got a problem with it at all it's where you make your money but you know if you can't make a record <laughs> then it, where you have to explore why, and you can't outsource creativity to somebody else. Duran Duran have never done that. Well, not the one that I'm familiar with. Uh, and and you've just got to try and work harder, or look at where you you know what's the shape of what I'm doing isn't right. And I I did actually you know not uh, before you blame everybody else. You know, or you'd learned uh, you know where, uh, but but that that didn't fundamentally seem the 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 right kind of inspiration when we were initially recording, and consequently Sony threw an album back at us, and I've never had that happen to me in my life. Now I don't think any of us had, and and I don't know if we stopped and explored what the you know the real consequences of of rushing it and uh, and not being not perhaps grinding out the, the songwriting stuff as as um, with as much resolve as we should have. So it, it was really the and it remains a creative relationship that um, I think, you know, is perhaps irreparably damaged or, or, or has done everything it can. Um, and that's really what led to the tensions, not, uh, you know, concert song.
3: Do you think that the the, the band uh, Chasing Timberland and Justin Timberlake uh, kind of cheapened the Duran Duran legacy?
0: Well, you see, that's what I was saying. How do you outsource your creativity? You can you can bring in a producer to, you know, do the fairy dust and get everyone organized and and do the, that role that just makes you, you know, gets the best out of of what you're trying to say. But you can't outsource, you know, but just because other people do, doesn't make, you know, it's like, okay, right, so, and it's, you know, sometimes you can just try and be too much of a clever bastard. Right. Where you've got to dig deep. And, um... Sometimes you just run out of ideas, but, you know, the creative relationship was the pivotal place where where we, uh, you know, where, where where we could get together, and, um, and, and and I think that's the one that, you know, that was the, you know, the cancer of the whole thing.
1: You say this in the book over and over again. I never, I, I don't, I can't imagine it because I'm not English, but you always talk about talking in a brummy accent. Is that what it is?
0: What that's is, the that's the Birmingham accent.
1: What how does that sound different?
0: Say something. Well little... the Bur- Birmingham accents like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> and and that's Nick used to talk in the Birmingham accent like it's a bit like nasal John Lennon, but slightly further south. That's a good Lennon, though. Yeah,
1: that's really good Lennon. I
0: like that. Yeah. Excellent. Well,
3: hey, well thank Ringo you so much, wasn't Andy. the best
0: drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, we
1: saw him
3: the
0: other day. Yeah,
1: night. we saw Ringo a few weeks ago. So yeah,
0: <laughs> he wasn't a good drummer. He wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So there you go, the great Andy Taylor. It was good to be back in here uh, interviewing somebody I know, you it's kind of
1: weird to have uh, someone here. You haven't been here for the last uh, three or four interviews.
3: It was, uh, again, He he he's a great interview. He's one of these guys that doesn't give you a quick, short soundbite. We kind of had to direct him a little bit. But at the end, I felt very uh, very satisfied.
1: I love the stories he told. Um, he got a little playful towards the end. We couldn't use everything that we recorded for him. But uh, he's a nice guy, and it was... I almost would rather talk to him than some of the other guys because I think he's got nothing to nothing to lose by sharing the well, story. Let me
3: say this: as a music critic, I, at the beginning of the interview, I, I refer to when I interviewed the entirety of Duran Duran, the original unit at the top of the Sony building. I think I draw I talk about this every show, yeah. But um, they, each one of them really did play their part. Okay, each one of them played their part. I mean, John was. I mean, I was swooning for John Taylor at the end. I mean, the first time I met him, I walked up to him and I'm like, "You handsome son of a bitch," you know. He's like, "Ah, it's not all about the looks." And then he gives me this wolf grin, like, you know. Yeah,
1: it
4: is. John. You know,
3: and uh, but each one of them played the part. I mean, uh, Roger barely said a word. Nick was uh, uh, a gentleman, but also decked out. In full makeup and hair had to be perfect. A bit of a dandy, but also a gentleman. Simon uh, couldn't be bothered with a boring question. A very rock star. You know, couldn't be bothered. And we'd get up and he'd come back. And I had all these guys in the boardroom with the entirety of Manhattan. You could see all of Manhattan around us. I mean, it was very dramatic. But uh, Andy, getting back to that, Andy uh, was definitely the swaggery guy. You know? Where he was a rock star in the almost the the, the musical sense you know the gunslinger, the guitar player. Uh, Simon was more of the rock star in the, um, the va- yeah. vainglorious sense, we shall say. And we and we asked him, um, but you would have been great. I know you put yourself down, but you would. have... I mean, come on. Eventually, something would have clicked in that I have all original members of Duran Duran yeah. in front of me. It, yeah, it and they're have been so weird. professional. I mean, what that was like the
1: billionth interview they've ever given. Right. Well, they're the media, they're the most media savvy band that there probably has ever been.
3: So you do get. A little bit of canned answers, but they're also good enough to give you a, a good interview. Yeah, they know they have to sell themselves. And I found them all really professional. Uh, frankly, you telling me that they did a ton of drugs. Like I figured there was some of that, and we all know about the excess. But I, I didn't know these guys beat them up, beat themselves up so much.
1: It, it was really only now in the early days, um, as Andy as Andy tells in the book, they. They parted at a club called the Rum Runner in Birmingham, which I don't think exists anymore. I think it's gone. The um they would power chug champagne all night. But then it, it, it gravitated towards uh, cocaine with him and John. Yeah. I don't think Nick and, and Simon ever got involved in Roger. I think maybe that you know they smoked a couple joints here and there, but I don't think that they ever got involved in the heavy stuff. And and that proved kind of divisive between the band because there was I mean, Nick especially was pissed off at, at John and and Andy for the, for the cocaine, and that might have had, you know, we we you know, there's all these rumors going around. Why did Duran Duran break up the first time? Why this? Why that? And everyone, drugs is such an easy answer, but there are no easy answers, and that's why it takes an entire book to tell their story. But I got well,
3: well, I like how you know Andy got to that about you know Andy versus Nick, and representing two sides of uh, uh, of Duran Duran. Yeah. You know, this lush synth-driven and the guitar swagger, you
1: know. Where would you put them, you know, in in the... um, I mean, they're not yet eligible. I mean, they're just now eligible, I think, for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I
3: think that right now the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame doesn't have any obvious people to go in next year, you know. But I think Duran Duran is... I want to say they're on that list, that they're about eligible. And you know what? Not just because I've interviewed these guys a couple times, but they... Absolutely, one hundred percent belong. You know, belong yeah. in the Rock Hall of Fame for whatever that's worth. Yeah, you it's know, worth not nothing I'm not sure I'm drinking me. that Kool Aid yet. Yeah. But do they deserve to be recognized as one of the you know, as one of the great bands? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Now, would you if you, you look at Power and you look at the most important acts of the '80s and you think? Um where do you put them in that list? Are they up there with? I mean, are they, are they equal or surpass are you two? Are you
3: saying are they an '80s band or no, a band no. that was birthed essentially in the
1: '80s? Well, they were birthed in the '80s. There's no, there's no second guessing that. I mean, they, they, I
3: think that a lot of the, a lot of the bands that, that, that you love and this show embraces, I don't think they go beyond the '80s. But I think that Duran Duran absolutely transcends. Yeah. You but know, would you put that, them up there
1: with package. um, above you two? It's
3: a different kind of music. Above. I mean, like like Andy says, I mean, you know, Duran Duran was, uh, you know, often selling a lifestyle, whereas you two, you know, yeah, political they were message, to do, yeah, for better Tough. or worse, yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, Duran Duran in my household, Duran Duran's just as popular yeah. as you two, yeah,
1: and and I love the answer about how EMI is responsible really for 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 packaging them as that pop superstar group. I mean, they are in a sense, a sense the eighties Beatles because every one of them had a role. I mean. And maybe and maybe EMI told him, Hey, Roger, you know, you're the quiet one, shut up. You know. Yeah. Maybe Roger's talkative. I don't know.
3: It's a brilliant way of marketing them. I mean it's band as narrative almost. I mean, you
1: know the
3: story, you know which each one of them represents. I mean it helps you learn a band a lot but I can't tell you one person in Dexies Midnight Runners. You know, but bands like, you know, Duran Duran, it, it kind of told a story. Like yeah. each one represented right. a part. And exactly. that, that made it easy for Al- you.
1: Almost like Kiss in a way, you know? You yeah. Have, no, that's a great way. Yeah. That's a
3: great comparison. Kiss
1: also not in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah.
3: Maybe they're, uh, I mean, they Well, list they've
1: been eligible forever. I mean, they've been eligible for like 30 years. but
3: I mean, it took Mellencamp a long time
1: to get yeah, in. But I Duran know. Duran will get in. They're yeah. too good. I mean, oh, these no, guys were great will. musicians. Right. I mean, if nothing else, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recognizes. You know hype and record sales and and, and for that reason alone they 'll be in there, but you know what kills me, and it still kills me. I have never not even i've never seen Duran Duran live
3: are you still blaming this on your mother?
1: Yeah, she was her fault i do
3: not honestly, I do not believe the story at all
1: that my mother wouldn't let me go
3: I dare you, I triple dog dare you to get your mom on the phone right now
1: i 'll do it don't are you serious get
3: get Mrs. Spearsy on the phone. I want to grill her about this and see if this is really what happened.
1: Okay, you'll ask for it. Dude, if this gets me grounded again, you are so in grounded.
3: trouble. Just call your mom. Come on. Let's talk to Mrs. Spearsy.
2: Hello? Hey, Mom. Hey, what you doing? You at work?
1: Yeah, calling you from work. Uh, I got a little surprise for you here. Uh, we're, actually, we're actually recording a podcast, and I have Sean Daly here.
3: Uh-oh. Uh I can't <laughs> believe I'm talking to, to, to Mrs. Spears. How are you?
2: I'm fine, thank you.
3: And you? Uh, I'm I'm so I'm great. It's so exciting to finally talk to you.
2: It's good to talk to you too. I hear about you all the time. Good things. (laughs) Um, most of the time. What's that all about? He's always (laughs) trying to
3: put me down. We're very competitive. You know, I'm an only child. I never had a brother, and and your son is uh, like a brother to me. Oh well, that's good. I know. He didn't have a brother either, so. Oh, that's things are starting to make sense. This is a very pivotal (laughs) episode. Well, listen, Mrs. Spears, your son is always blaming you on the show, almost like every show, uh, for for never having seen Duran Duran live. He claims that you're the reason that he never saw one of his favorite bands. Is this true?
2: He is always accusing me of doing things that I don't believe. Oh, Oh, that's... It could have been. Could have been.
3: Now, what was the story, Steve? That she, she, you had tickets, but she didn't like the young lady you were dating.
1: Uh, yeah, I had tickets with my girlfriend Elisa, who used to work with me at Publix, the grocery store here in Florida.
2: Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> <laughs> was she a bad girl? Yeah, it's getting a little clearer. <laughs> was
3: was Elisa a bad girl?
2: Well, a bad girl. I don't know. Maybe in our day we might have called them hoods. I don't know. <laughs>
4: Nice. She
2: she, she just Little, she'd always like to follow the rules. You know, she like to do her own thing.
3: I can't um, imagine what Steve saw in her.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know that she didn't wear, wear a seatbelt.
4: And oh, a well, couple of
2: yeah. times, she'd be practically sitting on his lap. And I think she might have been a little bit older.
3: Yeah, automobile safety really is a deal breaker. <laughs>
2: yes, it is. Very much so. You knew that. And so you found out that they were going to
3: go together, and you put your foot down.
2: This is yeah. not going to happen. I said, yep, I said, uh, no, too far to drive at night with somebody I wasn't really sure about. Right. What I did, his Dad taking, but no, because he's going with his girlfriend. I suggested that maybe he... He'd get a bus like I did when I went to my first concert to see Elvis <gasps> we yep, we this... went by bus we had a charter bus because we didn't have cars was that really your All first concert same.
3: what year was this when you saw Elvis
2: oh had to be well it's obviously in the 50s I oh think my... I was in the ninth grade are you
3: serious you <laughs> I'm not going to give and... away my age no, but... no 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 I just got done reading these Elvis books I'm sorry Steve I'm hijacking this <laughs> wow that's amazing in the 50s that was a time to see elvis too was he oh on- it was it was in dayton ohio was he on a bill and- with a bunch of other people or was it just the i kid? don't
2: i don't remember him being on a bill with other people i think he was pretty much the headliner at that time did you screen? i have pictures <gasps> i actually took some pictures i have pictures
1: oh wow you're not coming yeah. over to the to my mom's <laughs> yeah,
3: house yeah i want to meet your mom
2: well, yeah, I see. Yeah. Wow, that's
3: very cool. Well, anyway, well, Steve, how do you feel about what your mom's saying about the Duran Duran? Yeah,
1: it's so unfair because you know, Elisa was from Ohio, and we were from Ohio. She was how dirty of a girl could she have been? My mom wasn't a dirty girl.
2: No, <laughs> I just I don't know. Just just didn't feel just didn't feel right.
3: Well, do you do you feel bad all these years later that uh, you know that that you 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 deprive Steve of his dream concert?
2: Uh, only when he reminds me.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every Sunday for if, dinner. If I get
2: ch- which comes up quite frequently yeah. sometimes, yeah. If, if I get yeah. a chance
1: to go uh, to see Duran Duran with the Vegas girlfriend, am I going to be allowed to go? Uh,
2: ooh, that's something to think about. Now, I don't know a whole lot about the Vegas about, girlfriend. I, but you She's know what about... She's from Michigan. She's from Michigan. That that I sort of remember. And, and ooh, S. Ohio State Buckeyes... <laughs> we don't. We don't. You uh, don't care much about the whole state of Michigan.
3: <laughs> but you know what? She does wear her seatbelt.
2: Well, enough. You know that's a big plus. There
3: you go. I'm trying to save you here. Steve. Yeah,
1: help me out here. <laughs> I'd still like to see them sometime. Well, now you're only on the the hook for not letting me see Kiss during their Dynasty tour.
2: Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was
1: bad. I agree with
3: you
2: on that. i I don't remember that one.
1: Yeah, trust me.
3: Well, uh, Mrs. Spears, I just want to say that your son has is a a tremendous success. He's doing great with his life. He's got a ton of fans. You should be very proud of him.
2: I am very proud of him. That's good. I am very proud of him. yeah.
1: Okay. I guess. I guess I have to bury this. So uh, maybe
2: I'll let you go. Oh, there you go. (laughs) You can go with my blessing. I do want to see those
3: Elvis pictures,
2: though. Okay, I'll come over. At The next family dinner, he can get them. <laughs> I'd like to. Maybe I
3: could come over too. You know.
2: Well, that's true. Bring a six pack. Would love to have you. <laughs> All
3: we right, could that's hear great. more
2: about his fun-filled childhood. <laughs> he's always letting. Me, he's always telling me little things more than I want to know oh, about things that happened when he <laughs> was growing up. So.
1: Yeah, the great vacuum cleaning incident. We've never quite gotten <laughs> oh, that.
2: No. I don't want to hear that story okay,
1: again. Okay. know. Bye, mom.
2: Bye. bye, Mrs. Spears. Bye, bye. I love her. She sounds like such
3: a mom. Uh, I'm so Eddie Haskell, too. Yeah, huh? you kissed up big time.
1: All your Elvis questions. You know I'm never going to hear the end of the Elvis. Oh, take these photos to
3: show. <laughs> I love it. He's the king, so- baby. Mrs. Spears.
1: All right. Time to regroup with the little thing we like to call a reader mailbag.
4: Yes. Ooh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> not only do we have the best listeners in the podcast realm.
1: They're not really listeners. They're friends.
3: Whatever. We also have the best letter writers yeah. out there, including our friend Gabrielle. Not and Gabrielle name. writes, hi, Sean. Suck ass. <laughs> I love you and Steve on the Stuck in the 80s podcast, and I want to write and say hi. I just started listening a few weeks ago, and I have been trying to go in order, so I'm only at the Ario Speedwagon episode so far. Oh, she's got some good ones coming up, right?
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
3: What Genesis?
1: <sighs> I don't know. She's she's writing the the, the yeah, meat of the yeah. of the podcast, and then we just kind of go. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: Anyway, Gabrielle continues. You guys have turned me into a stuck in the eighties freak. I was born in 1980, and I have always been a huge fan of everything 80s, thanks to my 10 older brothers and sisters. But after getting through a year's worth of 40-minute podcasts with you two, I feel I knew nothing before. On my day off, I got through five different movies you guys have talked about that I never really watched before, and I love them all. I'm as bad as Steve, I know. In fact, I have taken something new away from every podcast I heard. If you did daily podcasts, I'm pretty sure I would never make it into work again. So thanks for your lack of dedication. Cute. I like her. Yeah. 1980, she's 28. Hmm. Gabrielle. Anyway. <laughs> since you both are so fond of lists, I thought I could make a list of the most important things I have learned from the Stuck in the 80s podcast so far. Stephen Q. Spears, are you ready? Number 10. Never believe Steve when he calls you his best friend because the filthy liar calls everyone that.
1: Oh, that's so mean.
3: Number nine, hairy knuckles scare puppies away and not a moment too soon. Jesus. Number eight, Strange Brew is the first and only reason to love Canada. Yes, I heard the Canadian Music Podcast and someone owes me a formal apology for that. I love her. Number seven, I personally hate Huey Lewis and hope hope he is rotting in hell. Number six, Asia sucks. The band, not the continent. Oh, God. Number five, the world needs more surly dwarves. Number four, Aha! is not a one-hit wonder. Stop already. Number three, boys in short shorts are good for something other than a good laugh. Who knew? Which one is that? What does that refer to?
1: I think it's you. That's totally you. This is just a love letter to you.
3: Well, I don't get the boys in... Oh, that's me in my Magnum P.I. shorts. Yeah,
1: this is just a love letter. Love,
3: Gabrielle. Number two... Rush keeps Barbie dolls holding signs on the stage to represent the girls that don't go to their concerts. I didn't know that before, but I think my life is almost complete knowing it now. One and a half. Brian Johnson rocks. I could have made this list of 11, but it takes more effort. Sorry. And number one. The two finest words ever spoken. Mama no. I love Stuck in the 80s listeners. Everybody drinks.
4: Drink. Drink.
1: Ah, much needed beverage break. I like the fact that uh, we did away with the whole not drinking at work thing. It was really <laughs> holding us back. <laughs> uh, I love that. It also explains why our podcast starts to fail about the forty-minute mark every time. <laughs> that's true. Jeez, Gabrielle, that's that's practically a love letter to you.
3: No, it's not it's a love letter to the show
1: no i should say not. that was gabrielle from denver mm, someone in denver if that is
3: chase squires in a wig i'm gonna be really ticked off
1: someone in denver love right, sean bailey enough hey send your emails to stuck at tempy.com. send a love letter straight all to right
3: denver. enough what are you doing come on you can't that drives you crazy <laughs> What's
4: happening, hot stuff?
1: Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. Hey, weekly segment. You know the rules. I play a snippet of a movie from the 80s. You name it, snack foods. If Sean would just sit down and actually sign some bags, I could mail them away.
3: I'm about to go on vacation, baby. I'm gonna
1: sign him. Uh, don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fake your signature. You know what? That would really tick me off. Don't do that. <laughs> this is the maddest you've been. <laughs> I, mean, you, you, I got the whole eyebrow treatment. Your eyebrows. I don't want went, that because your you eyes know are What? Going, doom, doom. People think I'm not committed to the cast, but I am. I
3: want my actual signature on okay, those munches. Okay, fine.
1: You're, you're signing ten before you leave today. Then tell the people what the movie was. Here was last week's movie clip.
0: She can't get enough of me.
4: Huh? He wishes.
1: Yes, Big Trouble in Little China. I love
3: that movie.
1: Oh man, I bought John Carpenter. It. Yeah, I bought that movie just because it was five bucks at Target. I'd like to come over and watch that. I have it. Cool. The Pork Chop Express. <laughs> I don't know if I like it yet. I'm still kind of I'm still kind of torn. Anyway, some of the winners include Donna Kay, Marshall Azar, John Hayes, Chris Mast, Paul Henry, and the man known only as Rowan. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery movie clip.
4: What were Yale's last words? I'm coming.
3: That is obviously Sean and Gabrielle are in love. Yeah.
1: Rated X. Someone in Denver. I don't even I don't even know what I'm singing. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my singing voice now. It's this soft kind of air supply thing. Anyway, if you think you know the answer, email us at stuckinies at and Sean Daly will call you his love puppet. <laughs> Hey, hey, time for Name That 80s Tune. Hey, time to play the game where I play a snippet of a song from the 80s. Usually Euro trash, as Sean would like to say. (laughs) And if you can guess it, I'm telling you, I've got munchos, funions, uh, macaroni and cheese, uh, I believe some mashed potatoes.
3: You know what I'm going to try after the podcast is what it tastes like to have a muncho and a funion in your mouth at the same time. Oh, (gasps)
1: God.
3: A bunion sandwich. (laughs) With two pieces of sliced muncho. You
1: know who used to like the Funyun sandwich idea? Oh, Sarah Hall. Oh, my God. Just saying. (laughs) Remember this week's clip? This last week's clip was a doozy. Here comes our percussion montage. That's incredibly difficult. That's eight different songs, and it's so difficult that nobody got it right this week. Did anyone come close? Yeah. um, Brad in LA got close. He got seven of the eight. Where did he screw up? The last one. Can you give him a hint? I'm going to give everybody a hint. Are you ready? I'm not going to tell you what the first seven are. most Most people got six or seven of them right. The last one is by a band that I saw, not Sean, during this summer's Regeneration Tour. That's all I'm giving you, a song played by one of the bands on the Regeneration tour. I'm going to play the clip. It. I'm going to play the montage for you one more time. There you go, Sean Daly. I still can't get that last one. It's tough.
3: One of your regeneration bands. Yep. I think Brad went to the regeneration tour.
1: He did. He did. You should get it. Brad, he, that should be enough, baby. Come on. Come on. You can do it. If you know the answer, if you can beat Brad to your computer, because Brad, I'm telling you right now, is going to be pissed off when he realizes how easy that last one is, email us at stuckanees at com, and you too can have a funyan Sandwich.
5: Sean and Steve it's Dan Vay from Portland Oregon here with a fan greeting for you two fine gent I believe it was either William Shakespeare or Richard Marx who put it best Wherever you go whatever you do I will be right here waiting for you and that's where I'll always be for you guys right here very much stuck in the 80s Fan greeting disclaimer all romantic overtones implied herein completely unintentional People
4: say I'm crazy just ooh.
1: Mr Dan Vay
3: that was nice. Did I ever tell you that I drove Richard Marks in the courtesy van when I was a bellboy? Yes.
1: <laughs> I won't uh, bore you with that story Yeah, that, that, That's when we had the impossibly tight uniform. And he tipped you a dollar. Was it a dollar bill he tipped you? Or five? You're
3: mocking me. I can tell you you're using your mocking tone. I'm not going to tell it. What's the, what episode is that in? What podcast?
1: Summer. The Summer Songs. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, that was go good... Back. That was one of my favorite episodes, too. Really? Yeah. Of this entire summer. I mean, aside from interviewing... You know, all the people from the Regeneration Tours and all the people that rolled through. I mean, that was a blast. I, I got to and Andy Taylor was great. That, there was something simple about that so- Songs of Summer that yeah, we did. Simple
3: is about right. Yeah. We do simple, great.
1: Yeah. That's good. I'm How go much back did he tip you? It. He tipped you five bucks?
3: A crumpled up, sweaty $5. But I did a lot for Marks. I was working him like a like a Mark. Marks was my Mark. Yeah. He saw right through my shenanigans, my insincerity as you would say.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah. Hey, you know what um, you know what kills me about this show is that there was someone who I really wish had been here for it. You know, we, once upon a time we used to have a co-host who was the biggest Duran Duran fan there was. Yeah. Kathy was. Ah, and she left us. She did before she showed me her belly button, right? Yeah, I saw it once for a brief second. And I felt it that one time that I came Are you went, about to bust <laughs> out? Surprise number 2, I have a top 5 list of most underrated Duran Duran songs from Kathy Wass. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kathy Wass, we miss you.
5: Oh, I miss you guys too. What's up?
3: God, you still have the sexiest voice around. I miss you. I I miss the creative tension of whether I will see your belly button ring or not.
5: Oh, I know. Well, the- now it's never gonna happen. Oh man, can't you like uh,
3: Photoshop something? I don't know what's
5: the what's the word for
3: it. Just send me something. How are you? Good, good, very good. And you're are, are you
5: you're a librarian out there? Yes, I am in Seattle.
3: Are you the dirty librarian with the secret? No,
5: there's way dirtier librarians here. <laughs> really? Nice.
3: Do you ever see any hey, when you're a librarian? Do you ever see something weird going on in the
5: stacks? Oh, you you see the craziest stuff. It's amazing.
4: Are you <laughs> mostly, me on? mostly
5: though? It's people doing drugs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I work at a bookstore too, and yeah, there's usually people shooting up in the in the bathrooms. In the, it's great. Oh, a <laughs> bookstore
1: is this? My God.
5: <laughs> you know, I am in Seattle. They're still, you know, they're still thinking that heroin's the thing to do. So we
3: really miss you. Oh, thanks! I miss you guys. Uh, the The show has been like straight into the shitter since you left.
1: <laughs> somebody, somebody even uh, sent us a reader email this week that said, "Um, and they, they used your they coined they used your coined term puppies."
5: Puppies! Oh, I'm so glad that that spread throughout it did. the it spread, land. It spread
1: across America. So, so we, we were thinking about you today because we were we were talking to Andy Taylor. Oh man. I know. It's you know, we actually did the very first Duran Duran show that we did as a podcast was on the one year anniversary. And you wore your Duran Duran soccer jersey that day?
3: Yes, I did. And I have you, no recollection of that show. He doesn't record like last <laughs> and week's that show.
5: That in the Michael Keaton one and I'm still bitter. <laughs> really?
3: I have What happened on the Michael Keaton one? Am I blocking out for a reason? Did you guys molest me like during it? It's like a horrible memory I don't now.
5: know, but all I know is that I prepared more for that podcast than any other. I think I watched like 16 hours of Michael Keaton movies.
3: All for not? Was
5: it a bad show? Oh. Well, apparently it was so good, you don't remember
1: it. I I haven't listened to it in ages. I'm going to go back and listen to it. I I don't know It'll be the
3: first show I've listened to. It took
1: a long time to prepare for it, I know. And then Sean just phoned it in. Anyway, while we've got you on the phone, what we're curious about is, do you, Kathy Wass, Queen of the Durrani fans, have Uh, a special list for us? Oh, perhaps. I would like a list of what you consider to be their most underrated songs. Ah. Because everybody knows that uh, the early 80s, you know, Duran ruled, and there really aren't any underrated songs from the early 80s, but I'm guessing that you've got a couple cards up your sleeve.
5: I would like to preface this first, that all hate mail, though, should go to Steve and Sean directly (laughs) and not to me, because I know there are going to be people that disagree with my list.
1: Okay. The hate mail
3: okay. for me these days is crazy. Spears got like one piece of hate mail and he was like curled up like a baby in the corner was <coughs> sucking his thumb. The guy can't take any sort of hate.
5: All right. Here is Kathy Wass's list of her top five underrated Duran Duran songs. Hit it. At number five, we have Night Boat.
1: Actually, no Nightboat, but why did you put that on your list?
5: I like, I think it's a very underrated song from the first album, which got a lot of hits. But also, I have to admit that it's because it's my favorite Duran Duran video as well, which also has one of the rare speaking lines of John Taylor. So,
1: God, you guys are such John Taylor apologists.
5: Oh my God, yes. Give yes, it up. I can't help it.
1: Give us your next list. Give it. us your next song.
5: Okay, the next one is going to cause a lot of controversy. It's uh, number four is Skin Divers from the new album Red Carpet Massacre.
4: Oh, man, I don't even
3: remember that. (laughs) Spears hates Skin Divers.
5: I love it. I can't help it. I, I think they proved me wrong with the new one. I thought the new album would be a disaster, and I actually
4: like it no, quite a lot.
1: No, it's a disaster. You were right. <laughs> totally right.
5: God, I dare you to hate that song. I hate,
1: you don't have to dare, sweetie. I hate that song.
5: Oh, okay. Well, and I did
1: not grope disagree. you. And I did not grope you at the Cheap Trick concert.
5: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, right. Okay. Keep telling yourself that one. Okay. Hey, you t- I was there. You the witnesses. reach
1: around. Uh, anyway, go with number three.
5: Number three is Be My Icon from Madazzaland. <laughs>
1: Now this song I've never heard before. Why is this on your list?
5: I really think that whole album is underrated. It also had a lot of controversy at the time because that John left in between. But I just really think it's a really dark electronic song, and I think it's it's just a really cool Duran Duran song.
1: Good enough. Good enough.
5: Good enough. Okay. Number two. Number two. My Antarctica. what what is going on here? What's that <laughs> off of? We said underrated here. You've never heard him, probably.
1: No, that's a first.
5: It's, it's off of the Liberty album, which I have to give it a shout-out to my friend Darren, because he has sung the praises of the Liberty album for years and years and years.
1: Uh, I can and say with total confidence, I didn't even know they had an album called Liberty.
5: Ah uh, yes, yes. That was during the the dry years. Yes, it was before the wet. Before they came back. Okay. I kind of like that song too. It's a, it's a it's very you know Nick centric those uh, the albums of those years. So
1: yeah, of course, because there's no Andy there to keep it honest. No
5: Andy, I know. No Andy. Okay. Don't, a lot of don't these won't be Andy. Don't teach us any
1: longer, sweetie. What is number one on the list?
5: And number one is, do you believe in shame? From Big things?
1: Now, that song, I actually recognize.
4: Ah, well finally.
1: Well done. I think, Steve, your Thank girlfriend you. loves that song, right? She loves any obscure Duran Duran song that I've never heard of that she can, oh, good. That, that you can teach me about.
3: And Do You Believe in Shame pretty much sums up your
5: relationship, <laughs> It right? sums up the whole relationship.
1: <laughs> this is lovely. It's just like the old days. I feel like it's
5: a little idiot. Oh,
1: Well, we miss you, and sweetie. a little bit How many times I call her sweetie? Three times? A lot,
3: yeah, but uh, all of a sudden, more and more. She's not objecting. Is this
1: how you do your seduction? Uh, Yep. Sweetie bear, honey pie. Sweetie
5: bear. I think I just vomited a little.
1: (laughs) Hey, stay warm up there. Yeah, get back to the stacks. Get back to the stacks. People are doing drugs.
3: All Uh, right. Good to talk to you guys. We love you, Kathy. Love you, too. Bye. Ciao. I miss her. Kathy Wass, there you go. I miss her.
1: It's not the same without being able to look across the table at her while she's eating her kiwi yogurt. Oh, yeah. She that has stuff bad just food in here. Yeah. Oh, the serves we never got to do. We never got to do Wee with her. Wee's <laughs> Playhouse, dirty. I mean.
3: <laughs> I, do, I miss her. The chemistry is, it has been different. It's been off ever the since. The time
1: she came in just wearing a sports bra. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you were talking about favorite shows of all time. You know what one of my favorite shows is? This one right here, baby. I love it. Is it? I love the energy we brought today. Do you think it makes up for the? If one person says they don't like this show, I'm going to fly to your state. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass. Bring it on, Vey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had a oh great time today. God. Andy Taylor's, Spearsy's mom, Kathy Wass, Steve Spears, Sean Daly. Funny and Sandwich. I'm going away for a week. You going to miss me?
1: Tremendously. You know what will what'll happen? You'll come back, we'll have that moment. You know where we'll we'll pass close together. You'll you'll like let the out the strange that... brew moment. Yeah,
3: yeah. And you're bringing in a special guest next week, aren't you? Yeah. Hopefully,
1: uh, Steve Persal will be here to talk about uh, the remakes of That's 80s movies. I'm gonna
3: shows. miss each and every one of you. except,
1: oh, except well. for Vay. No,
3: yeah, I, you know, I pick one. I pick one. I love you all.
1: It was your turn, Vay. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all. In the meantime, while Sean eats crabs in the Maryland coast, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Whoa! Stuck in the '80s is produced by TampaBay.com, the official website of the St. Petersburg Times. Special thanks to Germany's Czech Battery Daily for providing the song for the opening credits. Read the Stuck in the '80s blog at blogs.tampa.com, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.
0: How's the weather down there? Oh, it's, oh, it's hot. Ninety five 95. We're 95 degrees. We're yeah, dying. yeah. Well, I, I'm in Ibiza, which is um, in the Mediterranean. and It's about 90 here today as well. <laughs> the thing is, we don't get hurricanes. Yeah,
1: don't send any more our way. We've had enough already.
0: No, man. I've been watching it. Woo. Yeah, brutal. Day after day. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. I, I mean, the news is fantastic from America. Now, that, the business news has turned into entertainment today. All this funny. stuff going on is uh, oh, kind no, of, Street, ooh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think that's why I like America. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> seriously extreme fun. <laughs> <laughs>